Welcome to Move by Grace, the podcast of Harvest Bible Chapel in Cambridge, Ohio. Well, we're in our study of the book of John, and um, we've called this uh, study New Beginnings, uh, the Incarnation. And so we are finishing up the first chapter today. Um, incarnation, what a word, right? Right? I mean, God arrives on the scene. How awesome is that? Incarnation. The title of our message today is uh, Sharing the Good News of Jesus with Boldness. Uh, you might be thinking, that sounds kind of familiar. Um, where, where, where have I seen that before? Um, no, no. Oh, there it is. It's one of the pillars of our church that we believe in the, and our, our foundation, our cornerstone is Jesus Christ, but we believe that part of our responsibility is to share the good news with boldness. So I had a, a couple of things that I just wanted to kind of, you know, start off the jump with here to kind of help us uh, th- think in, in terms of our message today. I want to throw a couple words at you and then kind of see what you might think they have in common. Okay, are you ready? If you're ready, say I'm ready. All right, if you're ready on this side, say I'm ready. Okay. Here's the first word, engagement. You don't have to holler it out yet. Pregnancy or new birth. We're pretty excited for the little deal that was born this week. Promotion at work. All in favor? Uh, Winning the lottery or uh, finding out you're cancer free. Like these are exciting things, right? Um, What do they all have in common? Well, let's circle back for just a minute. Like each one of these, you have to tell somebody what just happened. I think about engagement. I think about when we were engaged many, 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 many moons ago. Many, many. And the whole church said many. Right. So it was at Constitution Park, and it was the night of graduation from my wife's high school. Um, We were back visiting from college, and we we had meant to get engaged the week before, but her sister decided to have a baby that weekend, so we're like, well, we can't really trump that. So she wasn't ready for it, and, and I asked her, and she said yes, and she said yes, right? But immediately, immediately, it was like, we're going to the graduation because i got to show this thing off, right? When Alex was born, uh, well, actually, when we became pregnant, I was like, the phone started ringing. But I was thinking about that moment when she's like, I think my water broke, but I'm not quite sure. And, and then she's like, oh, my goodness, it broke. And we got on the phone, but we didn't call her mother because her mother lived just across the street, and she'd be over in no time. And so we called my mother, who lived in Toledo. And, and, and then I was on the phone with her in the hospital, all excited, baby's coming. And I could tell that my wife was not excited that I was on the phone at that moment, right? But I had to tell somebody. I had to tell somebody. Promotions at work. I remember going from assistant manager uh, to a, uh, a store manager, and that meant an increase in pay by almost 50%, and I couldn't wait to get home and tell my wife. Like, all our problems are solved. I'm making more money now. That wasn't the truth. I've never won the lottery, but I imagine what would happen if I won the lottery. My, my, uh, my father, I probably shouldn't tell, he's, he's just holding out for Publishers Clearinghouse. Um, and I'm sure if he won Publishers Clearinghouse, he would be picking up the phone to me right away and just telling you, I told you so, I'm going to win this thing. But I don't think he will. Um, and think of the celebration if you find out you're cancer-free. Right? There's been times where... We have prayed in our church in just this brief history that we have been praying for folks that have had cancer and they've cancer-free. What a celebration. And sometimes it really takes a really, 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 really good person not to share something exciting. Like when you got a motorcycle and you didn't want anybody to know. Right? And I still didn't tell anybody. 
There's one thing we kind of get fired up about this time of year that we don't get fired up about any other time of year. It's real easy during the Christmas and Easter time to just talk about Jesus. It's real easy to... People are a little bit more receptive, so therefore we're a little bit more receptive about sharing the good news with boldness. And we will, we will blurt it out about pregnancy or blurt it out about winning the lottery. Or, or, but Jesus, we're comfortable with this statement, and it's a sad statement, but we're comfortable with this statement that says, it's kind of a personal thing, Nate. It's kind of a personal thing. It's between me and God. And the problem is you're wrong. He told us to go into all the world and preach the gospel. Share the good news. And John begins by bearing witness of people that bore witness about Jesus. And so I want to give you four this morning. And it goes like this. We hear, we internalize, we make a decision, and rightfully we should repeat that cycle with somebody else. Let them hear. Let them internalize. Let them make a decision. We're going to see that today. We're going to see that in True Disciples. Our hub for our message today is true disciples introduce others to Jesus. But if you're thinking that sounds familiar, that was our hub last week. <laughs> Didn't change it much. This is part two. Okay? Remember, disciples are ones who follow a teacher. And here we are disciples of Jesus. At least maybe I should ask that question, though. Who are you following? Are you following Jesus? I want to read our text. I want to just interject some things along the way. And uh, then we're going to get into the message. Like I said, I want to look at four things, four people in the text. Let's see if you can see them. Beginning with verse uh, uh, 20. Let's, let's begin with verse 35. So are we ready? Okay. The next day, again... John was standing, talking about John the Baptist, John was standing with two of his disciples. And he looked at Jesus as he walked by and said, Behold, the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. Jesus turned to them and following and said to them, What are you seeking? And they said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? And he said to them, come and, and you will see. So, so they came and they saw where he was staying and they stayed with him that day for it was the 10th hour. Let's just stop there for a minute. Let's go back and look at this. The next day, this is like a Tuesday of the week, right? He's chronicalizing uh, the, the moment that John gets uh, acosticized by the Pharisees. And the next day when John says, behold, the Lamb of God, and the next day when he says, look, there he is again, All right, so it's like Tuesday. By the end of this story, we'll be on Wednesday, and then when Jer comes back and preaches um, on the 11th, we're going to still be on Wednesday, still going to be in the middle of the week. It's, it's, it's just fascinating that John is recording this. It's also interesting here, too. John the Baptist is standing there with two of his disciples. John the Baptist was... Uh, the, a rabbi, a teacher, he had disciples. But these two disciples, we, we're going to find out who one of them is, but, but other passages of Scripture tell us that these two disciples are Andrew and John. He says, Behold the Lamb of God. And the two disciples that were with him laughed, and they started following Jesus. Now, that's kind of important. Uh, to follow means to turn your allegiance it's a physical thing that happens. Like they were following John. Jesus walks by. It's interesting. He's standing there as the king walks by, right? Out of respect, he stands. The king's walking by. He says, behold the Lamb of God. They're like, see ya. They turned their allegiance and began following. And Jesus wants to know where they're at. Jesus wants to know, why are you following me? So he asks them a question. It's a question of intent. He says to them, why are you following me? I want to know why you're following me. I want to know. 
Notice their response. He turned to them and said, what are you seeking? They said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? The implication is we want to know more about you. We want to know you. We want to go where you're going. And Jesus says, come. Look up here. The message of Jesus Christ has always been and will always be come. Come. Come and you will see. So they came and they saw where he was staying and they stayed with him that day for it was about the 10th hour. Now, a couple of things we need to note here what, uh, that this is written to kind of the entire Roman world, but he mentions the 10th hour, and maybe your Bible has, like mine, has a little number next to it, a little note at the bottom. This could possibly be 4 p.m., which would have been the Jewish time, but if he was truly writing to the entire world, this was about 10 a.m., Roman time, 10th hour, and they spent all day with him. It's interesting that you can see that John, as he goes along here, is defining things four different cultures, right? He says rabbi, Jews get that. He says teacher, the rest of the world gets that. Okay? One other thing to note here, and I find it really fascinating. John marks the time when he first believed in Jesus. It was about the 10th hour. I know because I was there and I left and went with Jesus. And it was my day. Now, I don't know about you, but I know for me, I know for me on the day that I trusted Jesus Christ, it was about 8 p.m. I couldn't, it was a Friday. I couldn't tell you the date. I could tell you it was snowing outside. I could tell you the location. Lake Ann Camp in Upper Michigan. And it was cold, and I got to ride snowmobiles. I knew specific things about that day, and Pastor Dave Marks was speaking, and, and I was standing in front of the fireplace when I realized by the power of the Spirit that I was not a believer. And I can mark the time when I turn and I say, can you and, and you come and pray with me? I need Jesus. And John is doing the very same thing here. And he's like, we went after Jesus. And he's like, why are you coming after me? And he's like, listen, we just want to know you. It was about 10 o'clock in the morning. It's about 4 o'clock, somewhere in there. We'll continue on. Where did we leave off? 10th hour, yes. Okay, good. You guys are really good. Help me. Thank you. Verse 40. One of the two who heard John speak and followed Jesus, remember, changed allegiance, was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own brother, Simon, and said to him, we have found the Messiah. Again, defining it for the rest of the world who may not know what Messiah meant, which is the Christ, which is the anointed one. And he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, son of John. You should be called Cephas, which means Peter. And the next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee, and he found Philip. And he said to him, Follow me. Now Philip was from Bethsaida, and the city of Andrew and Peter. Interestingly enough, can we bring up the title slide, um, Jacob, for everyone to see? I know it's a little jumping around. I should have told you this earlier. My bad. No, no, the one with the picture. Poof, there it is. All right. So this is the shoreline of Bethsaida, the city of fishes. Okay? Uh, a friend of mine, uh, John, took this picture when he was in Israel, and it's actually looking out on, on the Sea of Galilee. So this is where Andrew, Peter, and now we find out Philip was born. Philip found Nathanael, verse 45, and said to him, We have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, son of Joseph. Nathanael said to him, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Let's stop there for a second. Nathan was from Canaan. Jesus was from Nazareth. That's kind of like saying Nathan was from Cambridge and Jesus was from Byesville. Right? They just didn't get along. Okay? 
It's always like, can anything could come out of Nazareth? And actually, the rabbis would say the same thing. They were like, there's no Messiah coming from Nazareth. There's nobody coming from Galilee. They're coming from Jerusalem. That's where, in chapter 7 of, of the book of John, it even says that. There's no Messiah from Nazareth. Continuing on. Philip said to him, these are great words, right? These are great words. Come and see. When you don't know what to say, say, come and see. Moses, to those that followed the Israelites out of Egypt, he said to them, just come and see and taste and see that the Lord is good. Jesus to the disciples, come and see. Philip to Nathan, come and see. Jesus saw Nathanael coming towards him. He said, behold, an Israelite indeed in whom there is no deceit. And Nathan said to him, how, how do you know me? And Jesus answered, before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Nathanael answered him, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. Jesus answered him, because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe? You will see greater things than these. I just wrote in the margin of my Bible, I'm certain he did. And he said to him, truly, truly, I say to you, you will see heaven and earth open and angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Sounds a little bit like Jacob's ladder. Uh, Mark, one more thing in your Bibles there too, by the way. Highlight it if you have the app. Underline it if you can. Truly, truly is a, is a John statement. It means amen, amen. Okay? It means I'm about to tell you, I'm about to drop some knowledge. I'm about to tell you the truth. And John marks it 25 times in the book of John. And it's always accompanied by a statement from Jesus that was totally foundational to the gospel. Okay? So we'll get into that. If you're taking notes and if you want to take a minute, uh, there are some notes over here on the sideline uh, over at the, at the coffee station welcome area. Uh, we've said the hub of this is true disciples introduce others to Jesus. I want to say that th this way. Be like John the Baptist. Point people to Jesus. Be like John the Baptist. Point people to Jesus. Think about what John the Baptist did. Think about the testimony of John the Baptist. John the Baptist was, was not about John the Baptist. They ask him, who are you? He says, I'm not the Christ. But are you this? He said, no, I'm not. But are you this? He said, no. He said, but then who are you? I'm a voice. What's a voice? Voice is a nothing. Voice is a sound. Voice isn't a thing. He says, I'm one calling out, preparing the way for the Lord. I'm baptizing people, but the one who comes after me, I'm not even worthy to untie his sandals. He's getting as low as he can. He's lower than a servant. And then when the real king walks by, what does he do? There he is. There he is. There he is. Point to Jesus. He says in verse 35, the next day John was standing with two of his disciples and he looked and Jesus walked by. Behold the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this and they followed. Following means to turn allegiance. Jewish traditions say that if you were to follow a rabbi, it would have to mean that you would leave everything. You would pick up your stuff and go and leave everything. Your job, your house, your home. It was usually something for young men who were finished with their schooling to do. We now see two fishermen following John the Baptist, Andrew and, and John. John was all about this. Down with self-promotion. John wasn't about promoting himself. He didn't let his light shine brighter than Jesus's. And we should neither. Lenny was right this week in small group. We can't shine brighter than Jesus. So my response is, don't try. John was down with self-promotion, up with Jesus. John was down with my importance. Think about that. He could have been really upset. We're going to see in chapter 3 when we get into the book that John, when his disciples came to him and said, they're baptizing over there, they're baptizing over there, John. He's like, yeah, yeah. 
I have to decrease so that he might increase. John was all down with about his importance and up with Jesus. John was down with my light and up with Christ's light. He was the Lamb of God. He was the one that he was supposed to talk about. John's passion isn't about John. John's passion is Jesus. John loves it when he can glorify Jesus Christ in the front of everyone. And it didn't matter who it was. Think about that. What are your passions? And do they glorify Jesus? And would he be happy if in the midst of your passions he showed up? What was John's message? John's message was always, get ready, Jesus is coming. I kind of see like John the Baptist, like a modern day guy standing on the street corner with either one of those those uh, spinny signs or big, you know, back in my day, we wore our regular sign like this or we held it up like this, you know, in protest or, or you have the over-the-top thing, right? I see John like that. Get ready. Jesus is coming. I'm not him. He's greater than me. He's eternal. He's God. He's powerful. I'm unworthy. The message. John the Baptist was a messenger. John the Baptist was to give out the word. John the Baptist was to let it do its work. So in each one of these, there is be like, and there is, what's the example here? Be like John the Baptist. Point people to Jesus. His example for us is to hold things loosely. Hold things loosely. Sometimes the problem in churches is that we like, get, we, we like start counting sheep like they're our sheep. And they're not the Lord's. And John's willing just to let them go. 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 John knows it's right to send his people out. Because it's not about him. John was the spotlight. Like, have you ever gone to a concert? You go to a concert and, and, the, and everything goes dark, right? Everything goes dark. And then in just a moment, the guy comes on stage and there is one dude in the back who has got this long spotlight and he turns it on and it just goes right to the main thing. John's like, I'm just this part right here. That's the main thing. And I don't go to concerts and go, dude, that spotlight guy was awesome. Right? I go and I enjoy a concert and I'm like, yeah, that band was live and it was awesome. John holds things loosely because he knows it's not about him. He points people to Jesus. Secondly, be like Andrew. Andrew's one of my favorite people in the Gospels. Be like Andrew. Bring people to Jesus. I love this story. I, I, I wrote several things in my Bible like um, this is the best thing he could do. We, we read the story of Andrew. Uh, he's only really wrote of in the Gospel of John. Jesus turned and saw them and said, what are you seeking? Kind of revealing their heart, revealing their motive. And they're, they're saying, Rabbi, um, uh, where are you staying? Staying is the word abiding. Where are you abiding? We want to abide with you. And he said, come. So they came. And they saw where he was staying, and they stayed from that day. Now verse 40 says, one of the two was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, and he found his own brother, Simon, and said to him, we have found the Messiah. And he brought him to Jesus. He led him. That's what it means to bring. He led him. He, he guided him to Jesus. And Jesus looked at him and said, Simon, you are a son of John. Maybe your Bible says son of Jonah. It's the same translation. You are Cephas, which means Peter. Again, 
He's defining it for the Greeks. The Israelites knew Cephas meant Peter. Which means, does anybody know? Rock. The original rock was Peter. Anytime, listen, anytime we see Andrew in Scripture, he's bringing somebody to Jesus. Think about that. Be like Andrew, bring people to Jesus. Anytime we see anyone in Scripture, he's, it's, uh, in Andrew, he's bringing somebody. Remember that little story we're going to get into later in, in this book where Jesus is feeding 5,000 men, right? And they're on the hillside, and like, Philip says, how are we going to feed up? We don't have enough money for all of this. And what's Andrew do? Jesus, here's a little boy with some food. And Jesus takes that food, five loaves, two fishes, turns it into food with 12 baskets left over. Jesus enters into Jerusalem riding on a donkey this Sunday, many, many, many years ago. And after that, the scripture records, here comes Andrew. Andrew isn't a Jewish name. Andrew is a Greek name. So they had a found fascination for Greek uh, people, uh, Jewish converts uh, to, uh, Greek converts to Judaism. And he's just like, Jesus, do, 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 do. Can you talk to these Greek people about who you are? Andrew is always bringing people to Jesus. Not on a scale of 1 to 10, 1 being I'm not Andrew, 10 being I'm totally Andrew. Which one are you? Give yourself a number. Who are you bringing? He started with his brother. Actually, the text really reads in the Greek like he was the first one to go to his brother. In other words, John's like, I went to my brother too. And we know that from the other Gospels that Jesus calls the four. James, John, Andrew, and Simon. But he goes first. He rushes to his brother. He's like, brother, we have found the Messiah. And he brings him to Jesus. I thought about that, and someone had made this note, and I just loved it. Andrew's like the, like the monk who taught Luther about justification. Luther nailed the 95 theses to the door about Romans and justification. But somebody taught him about that. Andrew's like the Sunday school teacher who banged on the mechanic office door of D.L. Moody, the great evangelist of Chicago, and shared the gospel with him. Andrew's like the elder of the church that Spurgeon, as a young teen, stopped into on a snowy day because he couldn't make it to his church. And he heard the gospel and got saved and became the prince of preachers, right? Andrew was that dude who was faithful to always bring people to Jesus. And we can't go on without really talking about this Jesus Peter thing. <laughs> we see Jesus doing what he delights to do in the gospels here. Okay? He, he goes to, and, and he's like, oh, it's Peter. He actually calls him Simon. Just real quick. Um, has anybody ever been called by their full name by their mother? Yeah, okay. So, no? Like, like when I'm in trouble, when she got my name right, because there was five of us, and then we adopted another one. So, so I was everyone, including the girls that were in the house. But when she got my name right, it was Nathan Stewart Davis. And I knew at that moment I was in trouble. Peter has this great name, Peter, but Jesus, whenever he was in trouble, always called him Simon. If you look at the scriptures, they're like, Simon, Simon, Satan has really desires you, but I have prayed for you. Oh. Simon was his first name. Bar-Jonah was his second name because you, your second name was like, I am the son, Bar-Jonah, son of Jonah, Simon. There's lots of Simons. Peter was the nickname, right? We have nicknames like, I occasionally call Dave Tiny because it fits. Right? He calls me Tall Guy. Nicknames are fun. Leona, 
the guy in our small group. We learned this week about that. We all have nicknames. His was Peter. But notice what Jesus says, okay? He sees who he is and who he's going to be. He's, He's like, bud, listen. He says in the text, he looked at him and says, you are. That's who you are. You are Simon. You're just like anybody else. You're a fisherman in this area. In the house of fishes, you're Simon. But you will be Peter. Now, this, you may think, in the eyes of Jesus, you're just Simon. But he sees you for who you're going to be. I call you rock. You're, you're a nothing. I will call you something of value. You are and you shall be. Isn't it just like the Lord? He sees us for who we are and he sees us for who we will be. That's grace right there. Well, the example we learned from Andrew is this. People must know. People must know. Andrew's like, I got to go tell somebody. No one was off limits. Everyone must know about Jesus. So the question is, who are you telling? In your conversations, are you guiding them to their need of Jesus? You have the cure. Hear me? We're all about the vaccination. We're all about the cure. You have the cure. They have unrest. You can lead them to the one who has peace. They're angry. You can lead them to the one who gives them joy. Life isn't going the way they want it and they have concerns about the future. You can tell them the one who holds the future in the palm of his hand. You have the cure. It's not personal. We learn from Andrew, people must know. Just point. Point them to Jesus and bring them to Jesus. Two to go. Obviously, we we learned this about, about Andrew. And I find it super, super fascinating. Andrew is the patron saint of Russia, Ukraine, and most of upper Turkey because his, his mentality of people must know took him to those regions of the world. And he loved to share the good news until he was put to death on a cross. There was a cross that was shaped like an X because he didn't want to be crucified the way Jesus was crucified. And even in that, he was still sharing the good news of the gospel. Philip, on the other hand, was the first one that Jesus found in our text. See, the others, Jesus walked by, they followed, they brought others to Jesus, now Jesus decides to go to Galilee, and there he finds Philip. Philip. Philip's name is lover of horses. That's what his name means. So if you're a lover of horses, you might be a Philip. Uh, He says to him, follow me. Verse 44 says, now Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. And Philip found Nathanael and said to him, we have found him of whom Moses in the law and the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, Son of Joseph. The synoptic gospels each have their moment where Jesus formally calls one, but this is the interesting one for me that he actually came and called Philip. Yet Philip says, we have found, right? It's like, I found Jesus. I found the Messiah. But in reality, he, just like us, we say the same thing. We found Jesus. We got us some Jesus. Reality is, Jesus found us. Jesus drew us. He was study buddies with Nathaniel. What did they study? What did he say? He said, We studied 
Moses and the prophets. Huh, how about that? Phil was a powerful proclaimer of the gospel throughout his life. Be like Philip, proclaim Jesus. Like, he also, like Andrew, is like, I got to tell my best friend who I study the scriptures with. We have found him. We have found him. His example is see truth, share truth. He saw it in the word. He saw it face to face. He shared it. I wrote this down on my notes. If you're looking for Jesus, and if you're here today and you're looking for Jesus, do not worry. Jesus will find you. Jesus will find you. You just keep looking. Maybe today he will open your eyes to see. Philip was a powerful proclaimer of the gospel in Africa, especially in North Africa. He was a powerful proclaimer of the gospel in Turkey. Reports are that he, while in Asia Minor, Turkey, he shared the gospel with the governor's wife, and she converted to Christianity. And he and Nathan, still sharing the gospel together, were arrested and condemned to die on the cross, upside down. And even on the cross, he proclaimed Jesus Christ until they let Nathan go, who continued to share the gospel. Philip eventually died at the hands of this Roman governor. But even in his last breaths, we have found the Messiah. See truth, share truth. Be like Philip, proclaim Jesus. And then lastly, be like Nathaniel. Nathaniel's name means God-given. Believe. Be like Nathaniel, believe. Nathaniel was a straightforward person. We see that in some of his responses. He says, can anything good come out of Nazareth? <laughs> Philip said, come and see. I, I do like that because Philip's not deterred, by the way. If, if you ever start talking to somebody and they're like maybe a skeptic, maybe questioning, don't be deterred. There's your answer. Come and see. Come and see. He's like, man, we've been studying this, Nate. You just, just come and see. All right. And Jesus saw Nathanael coming towards him. And he said, behold, an Israelite indeed in whom there is no deceit. It's kind of an interesting statement from Jesus. It's a play on, on one name. One person, I should say, from the Old Testament. Do you remember who was Israel? What was his name before he was Israel? Does anybody know? Anybody remember? I heard somebody over here say it. Jacob, right? So he's saying, here is an Israelite in whom there is no Jacob. No deceit, that's what Jacob meant. Here's an Israelite in whom there is no Jacob. There is no deceit in you. And, and again, straightforward Nathan says, Rabbi, how do you know me? You don't know me. A little tension there. Jesus answered, before Philip called you when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Nathanael answered him, Rabbi, you are the son of God. and You are the king of Israel. And Jesus said, because I saw you under the fig tree, you, do you believe? You will see greater things than these. He said to him, truly, truly, I say to you, you will see heaven open and angels of God ascending and descending. What did Jesus mean by that? And what, how did this one little event cause Nathan to just instantly believe? What's interesting as you study some of the things that were happening here, we see that Nathan was, was studying under a fig tree. A rabbi's say that when you are studying or praying, you are under the fig tree. Now, literally or figuratively, he could have been sitting under a fig tree, but with purpose. You just didn't sit under a fig tree. You sat there to meditate or to pray. 
And what was he meditating and praying about? Well, we know from his conversation with Philip that they were concerned about when the Messiah was going to come. They were searching the scriptures to see when the Messiah was coming. What was Philip's answer? Philip said, we have found the one that the law and the prophets have talked about. Come and see. He's just been praying about that. Asking God to reveal the Messiah to him. And isn't it just like Jesus? I saw you. I saw you. When did you see me? When you were praying for me. Remember that time when you were, like, five minutes ago when you were sitting under the fig tree and you were like, Lord, would you show me the Messiah? <laughs> Here I am. Instantly he's like, you are the Messiah. You are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. He starts to quote Psalm 2 there. When, when the Lord said, I will set my king on high. I will set my son on high. He says the King of Israel, which is interesting because that does come up one other time in John chapter 12. In John chapter 12, that's Palm Sunday. You know what happens on Palm Sunday? You guys familiar with the story? Right now in Harvest Kids, they're learning about Palm Sunday and they're getting palm branches, so you guys would be really excited about that. But you know why they had palm branches already? That was the day, the 10th day of Nisan, the first month of the Israelite calendar, when they took the lambs, the Passover lambs, into the city of Jerusalem. And they began the process. It was, a, it was a Sunday. And the people would have palm branches and they would praise God as the lambs were taken in for sacrifice for four days. They would be bought and taken to your home. And then on the fourth day, you would take the blood, put it on your doorpost, eat the whole lamb, right? Take it all in. This was the day when it was taken to the temple. These holy lambs were coming into Jerusalem and people would have branches and then all of a sudden the lamb of God was coming through. And the people ran to him with their palm branches. Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. You are the king of Israel. The same words Nathan used when he first met him. And Jesus says, truly, truly, <laughs> listen, pay attention. This is going to be important. Truly, truly, I say to you, you will see heaven open and angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Jesus was saying, I'm the latter. You started praying for a mediator to come, for a Messiah to come. I am here. I am the latter. Your prayers. Notice he doesn't say descending and then ascending. He's saying you will see them ascending, your prayers, through me, Hebrews 1, the mediator between God and man, ascending, and your answers descending through me. I am the latter. What's our example from this straightforward person? I wish I knew a Nathan like that. When you hear the truth, you must believe. When you hear the truth, you must believe. Believe. It's a, it's a Greek word that means to trust in the certainty of something. Jesus says, you believe because you saw these things? I wrote this down. I just find this fascinating. Nathan was reading the word about the word and then met the word and left with the word because he believed. He trusted he was certain. He believed. He believed that Jesus was the Son of God, the King of Israel. Do you 
happening. Do you really? Because this should change everything. This should really make you want to point, make you want to bring, make you want to proclaim because you have believed. Hold your friends loosely and let the Lord do the work. See the truth. Believe the truth. Tell the truth. Well, I do believe that. Well, then who are you telling? Who are you telling that Jesus is the answer? Like, Come on, Nate. It's a, it's a personal thing. It's not a personal thing. We are disciples of the disciples, and those disciples were told to go and preach the good news of the gospel. We are to share the good news of Jesus with boldness, not obnoxiousness. Boldness. What's the worst thing they can say? No. Most of Israel trusted and then laughed Jesus until only John was with him at the cross and his mother. Expect to know, but share. And if you're here today and your answer is no, I'm, I'm struggling in belief, I'm still trying to figure it out as our worship team is coming, then I want to tell you this in closing. Come is the greatest invitation of grace that you will find in the scriptures. Jesus says, come. It is the greatest invitation of grace that you will find in the scriptures. Romans 3 says that all of us have sinned. If you look around the room, just look around the room. We're all sinners. And some of us are saved by grace. And that sin has separated us from God. Romans 6 says that sin has separated us from God. We can't go to heaven. We can't be with him because we're all sinners. The good news is faith in Jesus equals a remedy. Romans 10 says that if we confess and believe that we can be saved from the punishment for our sin. The wage of our sin is death. And not just physical death, we're all going to die. Eternal death. Death apart from Jesus. Death in hell. It's a real place. Jesus talked about it more than he talked about money. And if we're caught in our sinfulness, we need to, we need to repent. We need to turn. Romans 6.23 says that the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And if you believe that, Scripture says to call out to the Lord to be saved in Romans 10, 13. And you can do that today. And I would pray that you would not only have been pointed to Jesus today, that you have not only been proclaimed Jesus today, but that you would believe Jesus today. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, our Savior, the King of kings. Lord of lords, the one that you have exalted to the highest place. He sits at your right hand and one day the kingdoms of the world will be his. I love it. Zacharias says that he will step on the Mount of Olives and it will split in two and he will rule the nations from Israel. This is our king. This is our savior. This is our Lord who triumphantly entered the city of Jerusalem on this day many, 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 many years ago. Riding on the back of a colt as people proclaimed that he was the blessed one who came in the name of the Lord. And we believe that. God, we just need encouragement to proclaim that. We need encouragement to point you out more. We need encouragement to bring others to you. We have great examples in the word. Uh, you've given us this. John is, is sharing again and again these that bore witness to the facts that Jesus was the son of God. And they gave up their very lives to do it. We know that John the Baptist was beheaded. We know that, that Andrew died on a, on a cross like our Savior. We know that Philip and Nathan were, were both martyred for the faith. And we know that John ultimately bore witness of you until you took him home to be with you. We know the cost of following you is high. 
but we willingly pick up our cross. Forgive us in our unbelief when we don't know what to say, when we're not trusting in your spirit. Help us to proclaim your greatness this week. And as we think about those that we can invite for our Easter service, for our Good Friday time of worship and communion, Lord, give us the courage. Holy Spirit, convict us when we're not, that those that we come in contact with need to hear the good news of the gospel. And Lord, if there's anyone watching or is is here today without a personal relationship, we pray that you would, would draw them in this moment. They have heard the word. The word says that how can they be saved unless they hear the word? And so they have heard the truth that that we're all sinners and and that the cause of of that sin has been passed down uh, through all the ages. We're born sinners and and God, they've heard the word that that sin has separated us from you. But they also have heard the truth of your grace in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us and that death on the cross has given us eternal life if we would just believe. Lord, we pray that they would believe. They would turn their allegiance by repenting from their sin and turn in belief towards you, placing all their hope for this life and the next in you. Would you just let them do that today? Would you draw them to their salvation now? We give you praise and glory for your work. We thank you for the finished work of Calvary. But the end of the story wasn't Palm Sunday the end of the story was a resurrected Savior and Lord King Jesus. We pray all of, our, all of these things in His matchless name. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. For more information about Harvest Bible Chapel in Cambridge, Ohio, check out our website at harvestcambridge.org or like us on Facebook at Harvest Cambridge. You are loved.